1: Adam. Yes, yes, Bonnie. I'm I'm barking the bar. You're barking the bar. I don't know what that means, Bonnie.
2: <laughs> I, it's a theatrical term. You go bark the bar before you're gonna start the show. You tell the people they have to go take their seats. It's a theatrical term. Oh,
1: okay, great. <laughs> I'm
2: barking the bar. Woof,
1: <laughs> <laughs> woof. <laughs> coming to you live from our houses in los angeles california it's nobody listens to paula poundstone your comedy field guide to life tonight money everybody needs it but absolutely nobody knows how it works and when i say absolutely nobody i mean paula and me A lot of other people totally know how money works, especially our guest, award winning business analyst Jill Schlesinger, who absolutely wrote the book on the dumb things smart people do with their money. No, seriously, she did. That was the title. And speaking of smart people, all of us are about to get a tiny bit smarter. It's our potluck info party. I'm Adam Felber, carefully balancing this podcast's metaphorical books, measuring meaning and budgeting bone mows to produce maximum interest. And now, please welcome the woman whose fiscal strategy is to stride into the room with the family fortune and holler, put it all on seven, mama's feeling lucky, only to be told, ma'am, this is a Wendy's, it's Paula Poundstone! (laughs)
0: Adam, I, I'm good. And and before we go any further, I want to thank tonight's house band, returning champ and nobody, Jay Clannon on the I like him horn. too. I like him. I never, I never thought I would. Like when I was a kid and I thought about my future, it never occurred to me I would I would introduce a flugelhorn player more than once. Uh, so this is a very exciting day. Um. You know, Adam, have I told you that my cat Wednesday um, has been living in my bathroom for, I don't know, months now?
1: No, you haven't mentioned that.
0: Well, she's very unfriendly. Um, and every now and then I would, if she's out in the general population in the rest of the house, she won't come anywhere near me. Um, if I have to do something like clip her claws or something, it's a big, or give her flea stuff, you know, it's a, it's a big ordeal to capture her. But... If I occasionally put her in the in the bathroom that's off my bedroom, um, she's very social with me. I mean, she still hides a little bit, but, um, you know, she purrs like a truck when she's being pet. But then, you know, I always think, well, there, I got her accustomed to human beings again, and then I put her out in the rest of the house, yeah. and we go through the same thing. She hates me. She won't come anywhere near me. So one day, I guess I was clipping her nails or something, And I noticed that she had all these scratches on the top of her head. And she doesn't really get involved very much with the other cats for that matter either. But I immediately assumed like she had a big scratch on the side of her face and a big scratch on top of her head and it was bleeding. And so I thought, well, she's being beaten up and that's why she's such a skittish cat. Um, So I put her in my bathroom. She's been in my bathroom for literally months now. And then she still, like, keeps getting new scratches. So clearly it wasn't the other cats. It's her. And the other day, I finally figured out what I thought was wrong with her, which is I think she has ear mites because she's forever (laughs) shaking her head. And so in her effort to get the ear mites out, she's scratching herself. It's just a guess. I don't know for sure. But so at the pet store, okay, I brought up two bags – of dog food to the counter, and that doesn't help at all with cat ear mites, by the way. Um, But Mm -hmm. I brought up these two bags of dog food, and then I remembered I wanted to get the ear mite medicine. So I said, uh, I asked where it was, and you know how you step out of line and you feel like kind of a jerk? uh, So you run and do what you're doing quickly. So I run, and I just grab some ear mite medicine, and when I bring it home, I read the box. And it says stuff like... Don't use in a closed room. Don't, uh, you know, don't get it anywhere near the cat's eyes or their mouth. It's, wait wait a minute. It goes in her ears and that's very near her eyes and her mouth. Yeah. Like, there were so many warnings on it that I'm like, there's, there's absolutely no way I'm using this stuff on my cat. It was like, don't get it on your clothes. Don't get it on your skin. Basically, I got like some sort of acid that the coyote used to get to try to do something bad to the roadrunner, So then I looked up, um, home remedies for ear mites. So I've been blasting green tea into my cat's ears and now she won't come out from the corner in the bathroom. Yeah. It was so, I mean, so unbelievably toxic. I can't even believe all the cautions on it. It said, don't drive a car after you've used it on your cat. Don't use a snowplow. Don't use it on any days <laughs> that end in a Y.
1: It was wow, so very restrictive. restrictive. And with that, I want to bring the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone book club to order. I'm so excited about it. You know, I love the book Ooh. club. Love it. Yeah. So this week we read chapters twenty six through thirty five of Eat, Pray, Love. Um, it was uh, it was a little more travely and a little more uh, bumptious than earlier chapters. She travels all over Italy eating. We learned that she has gained twenty eight pounds or something since she moved to Italy. Um, and, no, but uh, she had
0: already lost fifteen or something yeah, before I know, I know. when she was upset about. So really, she's only up about five.
1: Yeah, so, and um, she lets go of her uh, of her boyfriend back home, who she, she'd already kind of broken up with, but now it becomes a big drama thing where she's sobbing all the time. Um, let's just go straight around the horn right away, Paula. What did you think of chapters 26 through 35, the final Italian chapters of Eat, Pray, Love?
0: Uh, of the book uh, Gamble, Shop, Drink, a uh, book of uh, uh, wealthy white woman's vices. Mm. Um, all right, uh, you know... It's a bit more of the same, so I don't have anything remarkable to say about it, but I do think, A, she's very self-centered, but B, um, so she's learning Italian, Uh, She's taking Italian lessons and she's practicing, you know, speaking Italian and, and she'll tell about conversations she has that, you know, where she actually communicates with people who speak Italian. And this feels very good. Uh, But when she breaks up with the boyfriend, um, she's in an internet cafe and he's back in the United States. And she has uh, an exchange, uh, I guess, He responds to her breaking up email at around 10 o'clock at night and the employee there is sort of, you know, cleaning up. It sounds like it was mostly empty there. And she gets this response from the guy. It was a very nice response, but basically saying, oh yeah, you know, we couldn't meet one another's needs and okay. And um, she says that, you know, she's so upset by it that she puts her head down on the table. And when she looks up, The employee, this woman, uh, this Italian-speaking woman, is standing there, and uh, Elizabeth says to her, this blows ass, and Elizabeth says (laughs) in the book, she says she didn't think that the woman understood uh, exactly the words, but you could tell from the look on her face that she shared that feeling. Yeah. You know, really? No. No, I got to say, first of all, for any Italian people who may have read the book, um, this blows ass is not really a thing. I I don't think I've ever heard that expression before. No, I've heard blows and I've
1: heard other things to asses, but yeah, blows ass is weird.
0: Yeah, 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 I don't, so, and the idea that this woman who's doing this internet cafe job somehow is relating to this entitled, you know, white American woman. Uh, It's just a little,
1: but I think that's how she functions. I I think that's the nature of this beast, Paul. I mean, I think that's who um, our narrator is.
0: Right. And that her pain is somehow unique. Yeah. You know, that she's more in pain than anyone else could be because she's had such a rough go of it.
1: She feels things very deeply. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she
0: feels things more deeply than others. She's like Mrs. Gummidge, who's <laughs> one of my favorite characters in the world. Mrs. Gummidge from um, David Copperfield.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Who is this old woman who is a widow, and she lives with Davy's nanny's brother. And she always says that she feels that she just won't go out and have a good time. She just sits by the fire and... Uh, miserable, and she always says, "I feel things more deeply than the others." That's this Liz woman. Except for she goes out and does stuff only so that she she can have other people confirm right. that she feels things that more she feels things more than the deeply. The others.
1: Well, I'll tell yeah. you what, oh Paula, my gosh, I have gotten so bored with this lady at this point that in my reading this week, I'm I'm fact you've broken up, checking up with her too. Her. Oh, you're fact checking her. I'm fact checking her all the time. Uh, like, like it's, it's getting to be a mania for me because it just it just, it just, feels like she's making stuff up um, and the writing isn't that good. Like, there was a, in the space of two pages, she uses movie star as a, as an analogy twice in two different cases um, and, and they're not supposed Son to... Son of leave. a she just, uh, bitch! Yeah, anyway. She did that? So, so like, <laughs> oh so my like I, at God. one point she says, I don't recall now if it was before or after Luca that I went to Bologna, a city so beautiful that I couldn't stop singing the whole time I was there. My Bologna has a first name. It's P R E T T Y. For one, that's bullshit. That's a that's a that's a casual joke that she wrote. You cannot sing those lyrics to the Oscar Mayer theme song. There's too many syllables.
0: Well, you know, I'm listening to the book, and yeah, she does sing it in the audio version, but it doesn't fit. It's it not, doesn't fit. She doesn't do it correctly. You know what? She does it. She. She does it very much like a woman who would use a reference to a movie star twice in a page. Oh, That's
1: how she but, does it. But here's here's the other thing. So they go to Venice, right? They go to Venice, and it's yeah. November, yeah. And, it's, and it's dark, and it's rainy. And at the beginning of the next chapter, she says, I step off the train a few days later to a Rome full of hot, sunny, eternal disorder. And I went, what? It's November. What? Well, the temperatures in Rome can't be that hot. And do you know what I actually did, Paula? You looked up the temperature in Rome? I looked up the temperatures in Rome in November in 2003 when she wrote this book. Uh-huh. And there was not a single day in Rome that month that got out of the 60s. Wow. And that's not hot, Paula Poundstone. That's not hot.
0: You know what? It's, it's fucking lying sack of shit. Right. She is... She is this close to being in Trump's cabinet. Honest to God.
1: Yeah, my God, it just—it just made me—it just made me crazy. I'm going to keep fact checking yeah. her every time she lies to me. I'm just going to give her another demerit. She's going to—I'm going to censure her here in the book club. But, she should uh, be
0: censured.
1: Yes, here, I move to censure Elizabeth Gilbert.
0: Censure the author of the book that we are reading in our book club.
1: Do I have a second?
0: Oh, I second it. All right. All in favor, say aye. Aye.
1: aye. All right. Motion carried. I hey, have no, uh, Tony I have no
0: response from Bonnie and Tony.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm I'm defending her sort of this week.
1: Really? Oh, then let's go to you first, Bonnie. Sorry, Tony. I kind of am. All right. Go ahead and tell tell, tell us about your experience of Elizabeth Gilbert.
2: Okay. I understand, Adam, you fact-checking her Although, I don't know that I would want to spend that much time on this book. But this is what I think.
0: It's- Tony's doing it now. Tony's Googling <laughs> yeah. it right now. I no. can guarantee it.
2: No, I'm not. She- I promise. Yes, you are.
0: Yes, you are. You know, right, ahead, Bonnie, it's hi. one of these
2: stories of self-discovery where, you know, you live a certain life that you really haven't questioned. One day you realize that you're not that happy and... You set out, you have this experience, and you find your true self. I get why Tony related to this. I mean that in the best way. And I don't think people that read this book and get enamored with it, it's not about whether the facts are correct or not. I personally don't relate to her and the things that she finds interesting, latches onto. But I mean, I applaud her for being willing to risk going along with her true self. That she finds that what's important is that she can live with gaining 10 pounds, and that's some significant realization in the world is not (laughs) what I think is important.
0: She didn't gain... No, she specifically says... She says, yes, she gained like 20-something pounds, but then she said when she was back in the United States and with the struggle with the divorce and all, that she had lost 15. So she's very careful to almost zero it out. Uh, You know? No,
2: but there was something, I don't know, chapter 30 or something,
0: she said she'd gained 23
2: pounds. Yep. And she found that it was, that people, that she saw what it was about being real in the world. And, uh, oh, here it is. She talked about her bigger size as the magnification of one life and act of worth in this world. Really? That's? (laughs) Yeah. That's what got you to that? But I was going to say, I think it's Chapter 34, that she goes with a bunch of friends. They have the big Thanksgiving party. uh, Oh, yeah at the friend's house, and her friend Deborah, she described her as a famous psychologist, suggests that they follow the American tradition of stating something for which they're thankful, and everybody's, like, saying their thing. They're so thankful. (laughs) And I thought, you know what I'm thankful for? We have 34 less chapters to get (laughs) through in this book. (laughs) That's very beautiful. Okay, so I came up with a theme song this week. I can't Four? remember the melody because I've said they the melodies slip out of my head. And then I only have the words, but I'll I'll try and get a melody that works, okay? Okay, okay. wait, uh, what's in a
1: theme
0: song for?
2: The book club. Oh. Well, well
1: well no, you don't get to do the theme song before everybody in the book club has spoken, right?
2: Well, I didn't yeah. no, I didn't get a chance to butt right in there when you said, Okay, let's start off, so I just thought I'll do it right now. <laughs> it's like in the
1: middle. <laughs> Yeah, it's not an appropriate time for a theme song at all, but go ahead.
2: Okay, let's say. We have a book club, we have a book club, we made a mistake. We chose one that stank,
1: eat, pray, love. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I I, want to point out that uh, A, that's a great theme song. B, um, because you brought up the Thanksgiving dinner, um, everybody was the, the mood in Italy was sad because um, 19 Italian soldiers, she said, had recently been killed in uh, the Iraq War. Um, it was 18, and one of them wasn't a soldier.
3: Jesus, she just—oh well, <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> I'm
1: telling All you, right. stop it! Lies lies that. Lies. it
3: was, um, stop
1: it. it! With that, Tony Anita Hall, how do you feel about uh, these chapters?
3: You know, I think. I I think I'm taking it just kind of at face value. I'm not looking for any deep meaning. I'm not looking for mistakes. Um, (laughs) I'm just kind of just kind of trucking along with it. Uh Um, So you know, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't read this week's chapters because I'm traveling and I've left the book on my coffee table. But I do remember these chapters.
2: I knew she you, was bluffing. She, I could tell well, when she's
3: bluffing. She already read well, the book twice. I've read the um, book two or three times. So I do remember the 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 Thanksgiving dinner and Luke, it was, wasn't it Lucas Spaghetti's birthday as well?
1: Yes, and it yeah, was Lucas Spaghetti's birthday. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Who doesn't she's love Googling Luca that. Spaghetti? She's she's totally you know what? Googling
1: now.
2: You know why I no, I'm not Googling right now. You
1: How do you know, know she's I bluffing, she Bonnie? she's bluffing. How did you know?
2: Because Tony Anita Hall is a very smart person, and when she has just a kind of vague answer like that,
0: <laughs> I know
2: that she's bluffing.
3: All right. Um, here's true. what I
0: want to know: So you left Tony, you left the book on your on your coffee table. I don't think you understand like what a coffee table book is. It wouldn't be eat, pray, love. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's something kind of like uh, it would be a like a, a artistic book that sort of stand out, maybe even large, and that maybe if you have a guest in your home, they might just sort of flip through the the pages with interest you know maybe uh like uh i don't know like i have a coffee table book say for example of, of norman rockwell's uh saturday evening post covers that kind nobody is gonna turn to a paperback copy of eat pray fuck
3: and flip
0: through isn't this wonderful
1: yeah that doesn't oh my
0: happen. gosh She gained 23 pounds. Oh, but she had already lost 15. Oh.
3: Maybe my copy is very large with a lot of pictures.
0: I think we should go to the publisher and see if we can get a coffee table version of the book made with, like, big, oh, my God. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, with that, we've, yeah. we've for the first time censured the author of our book club book. And with that, I am bringing the uh, <laughs> Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone book club meeting to a, to a close and asking the question that I always get to ask when we're done with book club. Paula, do you have a word?
0: Uh, Adam, I do have a word. It's ineffable. It's an adjective that means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. I am in awe of the ineffable beauty, grace, precision, and power of Simone Biles' gymnastics performances. Ooh. Here, I'll I'll use it in a family setting. Um, uh, Would you look at these mountains? I'm so glad we decided to take a little family time and go camping. I feel a little guilty keeping you out of school today, honey, but you'll see that you make up the work, won't you? Mom, it's Saturday. We don't have school on Saturday. Oh, they're always changing it. Are we almost there, dear? You know, I think I'll stop off at a market and get a baby Ruth bar and maybe some fiddle faddle or something. Dad, how can you turn your attention from the ineffable beauty of mom surrounded by these mountains? Ineffable? You better not be sex-talking about your mother, young man. Jesus, Dad, of course not. Ineffable (laughs) means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Well, I'm going to pull into a 7-Eleven to get some ineffable fiddle faddle, and that's all there is to it. (laughs) It's a wonderful word, ineffable. I'm going to put it right into the vocabulary song in hopes that I can remember it. All right, wait, hold on. Just,
1: whoo. Wow. Uh, you're bringing, oh, you're bringing the concert Glock in tonight.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, I, lot, I've got a lot of moving men in here yeah. moving around my props and uh, all the uh, musical equipment. This week's word is ineffable. It's an adjective that means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Elected officials supporting the big lie are really big turds. Last week's word was nader. It's a noun that means the lowest point in the fortunes of a person or organization. I'm trapped in an elevator with an evangelical Christian and a nauseated Dalmatian. The week before that, the word was mumpsimus. It's a noun that means a traditional custom or notion adhered to all shown to be unreasonable no one's mean at christmas time because it's unseasonable going back before that the word was sucker it's a noun that means help given to someone who's suffering or in difficulty a fine assist from jimmy mcnulty and not long ago the word was pugnacious it's an adjective that means eager to argue quarrel or fight i'll kick your ass for flying a kite Let's never forget "galumphery," which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused, jumble, or medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge? Hodgepodge. Whoo! Hold it! Wow. Hold it! Hold on, fellas. Right. If you could just bring that in here. Hold on. Hold.
1: Nice. Oh, my gosh. That was something Whew. else there, Paula. That, was that, that song just, it's never sounded better. Oh, thank you, Adam. <laughs> what a kind compliment. Coming up, Mahalia Jackson once said, money just draws flies. And then she said, no, wait, I'm thinking of bananas. Bananas draw flies. Money's awesome. We'll explore the world of finance next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone.
0: You know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it. But his name is Theo, and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll it's, – it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression. Um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay, so earlier I was laying on – the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love. That's what I say.
1: <laughs> what is not to love. As they are. Because vet bills can really add up,
0: especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account.
1: To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's A-S-P-C-A. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. thank you house band jay clannon hey paula poundstone um yes we've all had our struggles with money what's your latest financial struggle
0: well i dropped a quarter between some tile in my bathroom near the cabinet sure i spent like 45 minutes getting that quarter out of there. Uh, Was that... (laughs) Was that cost effective?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you know, by amazing happenstance, we have an expert in the subject of economics right here, right now. Jill Schlesinger is an Emmy-winning and Gracie Award-winning business analyst for CBS News. She's a weekly guest on NPRs Here and Now, and her first book, The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money, 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs, was published in February 2019 by Ballantine. Please welcome Jill Schlesinger.
0: Well,
1: thank you
4: so much for having me. Uh, Paula, I just want to, you said about dropping that quarter. I had a little bit of a similar experience over the weekend. May I regale you? Please. Uh, There I am with a bunch of people sitting out ready for the barbecue, you know, maybe a couple, a little like sort of nervousness and anxiety and my, girlfriend comes over to me and she says I have something to tell you Uh, I was taking an outdoor shower my ring was soaked up it fell down through the bottom of the shower I don't know where the ring is oh no so I said wait a second it's got to be there didn't go like in the ground forever we don't live above a sinkhole so (laughs) look 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 can't find it call the general contractor Kevin you got to come over tomorrow and rip up the shower Jackie dropped a ring. It's going to be a whole Michigas. It's going to be a problem, but we got to get the ring. No problem. And then hours later, I am actually getting ready to barbecue. I see a little, little glimmer right down in the corner, right next to the barbecue. And what is it? It is a ring. And so there it is. You found you- your quarter, and we found our ring.
0: Hey, that's a way of looking at personal finance that I, you know, I, I am so. Um, financially illiterate. Um, like, here's just one example. I never... You know how they'll say sometimes, they'll go, well, the stock market isn't the economy. Well, guess what? I knew that. Well, I thought I knew it, but it could have been just a lucky guess. But I never thought that the stock market was the economy. But the truth is, I don't know what the economy is. How would you define the economy? love
4: big questions.
0: So the economy A lot
4: of different ways to measure it. But essentially, if you tally up all the goods and services that are sold in a given year, that's the economy, the value of all the things that are sold in a given year. It used to be in the United States, we would make a bunch of stuff. So there was a lot of manufacturing and that was the driving force of the economy. And then over the last 50, 60 years, we flipped. Now we buy services and not as much stuff. So we if you really look at, say, even if you just said, "Oh, I, I went to go get my haircut, that's a service, right? Mm-hmm. I went to get a massage. That's a service. I went to go buy a new ring. That's a thing, a manufactured item. Mm-hmm. So we now as, as a country, have a, a big economy, trillions of dollars that, you know, basically are purchased. 70 percent of that economy is services just the the things that we buy all the time? Thirty percent is stuff, but put it all together, it's a big number. And we have the biggest economy in the world. Number two, China. We're number two. We're Avis. They try harder, and um, they're going to become the biggest economy in not too distant future. Probably within the next ten years. China is. Yeah, and and you listen. There's part of me that thinks it's just a that's a kind of a crappy way to measure like what is an economy. But it, it's the one we got. It's you know, and and it's broken up into goods and then it's also into services. and then there's investment in like real estate and 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 imports and exports and all that stuff. And you put it all together and boom, you get this big number, right? And so when you look at the GDP, which gets reported on a quarterly basis, you know, it, it it can be, you know, on twenty one, twenty two trillion dollars, and when we t- and when we talk about the um, Chinese economy, it's I think fourteen or fifteen trillion dollars. But they're growing much faster than we are, so that's why we're probably going to see them overtake us in the next decade.
0: All right, so Joe, we had a conversation yesterday, my uh, my brethren and I. Okay, m- when my kids had. Bank accounts, and I think it happened to me too. Like a savings account, um, we would we would sometimes hear from the bank that they closed the account out because they were charging fees, and the fees overtook the little bit amount of money in mm. there. Mm. Um, so, do banks not? Do they not pay interest anymore? If I <laughs> like, if I had twenty five dollars or fifty dollars in the bank, would I not get some interest on that?
4: Well, here is a problem. This is like the curse of the savers. And if you're a saver and you've been stashing away all those quarters that you haven't lost in the shower Mm -hmm. and you put it in an account, what would normally happen is you get a certain amount of money in there and then you're right, you get credited interest. However, interest rates are really low right now. They are essentially at zero to a quarter of 1%. And the problem is that, you know, right now with interest rates so low, if you're a saver, you are getting paid like 0% interest or 0.5% interest. And you're right. if Unless you have a certain amount of money in these accounts, the banks are whacking you with fees. So um, if you are in that situation, I have a great website for you. I have no promotional connection to this website. I'm just telling you. Um, it's a website called depositaccounts.com. And what they do is they go through uh, across the country and they say, here are the best savings rates, checking, savings, and money markets and CD rates. And so you can go to that place, this depositaccounts.com, and you can open up accounts. Now, The other thing, Paul, like in the sense if you have kids, one thing that a lot of parents will do is they'll open up an account underneath their own umbrella. So you and I may have grown up and had passbook savings accounts and they were our own, right? Yeah, it was
0: great. Yeah, it was
4: great. It was totally great. And But that doesn't really exist anymore. So a lot of families, what they do is they sort of create a family tree underneath which their kids can have like a little branch. And so they get credited with being part of the family and get a better interest rate.
0: You know, another thing that's changed, by the way, since we were kids, is these, uh, uh, how do I say it? Motherfucking credit card companies um, come out at, like solicit kids at a very young age I mean my mm. kids were, were getting mail addressed to them uh, from credit card companies I think from certainly from the time they were 18 but maybe even younger oh yeah and then of course we had the problem of that to them was you know candy in a candy shop uh, they were so excited about that idea and then maybe they overspent from their you know mm. uh, foolishly, okay. And then they start with the, with the fees coming after them. Yeah. And my feeling is, you know what? Every one of those fucking credit card companies should take the loss.
1: You are preaching to the choir, Pounce Don. Like my eight-year-old bought a boat the other day.
0: Well, <laughs> you, t- you see she the problem She can't afford a then. boat. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Was it a big, big boat?
1: It, no, it's taking up most of our front yard now. Yeah. We wow.
0: Wow. That's unbelievable. So
4: this should be, but I will say that there should be less of that at this point, only because after the the last financial crisis, it's weird that we can have so many financial crises in this country. Can't keep track of them. Yeah. So the one in 2008, 2009, the one that I thought was really going to be the worst thing I ever saw in my entire life, um, that was called the Great Recession. There was a law passed, Uh, called the Credit Card Accountability Responsibility and Disclosure Act. And it was basically to say we've got to stop soliciting young kids. But the one thing that is really important about credit cards, the one bad thing that I, I feel like that we have to be careful is that a lot, a lot of people will, will call my podcast they'll say, you know, I never use a credit card, aren't I great? But then they go to buy a house and they have no credit record established. So mm-hmm. they're screwed because yeah. they can't get a mortgage. So we right. kind of want to do like, oh, can we give you a card and you use it responsibly, you build your credit record, then you can borrow money like all the big big shots do at 0% interest and get a really cheap mortgage and buy your house. So that we kind of want to bring that, that part in but we so we don't want to say no credit cards we want to say how do we make sure that they're not piranhas when they come after our young people and also people of color people who have uh, language barriers that those are usually the folks who get screwed the most
0: um all right so given that there is this very low interest i don't see the upside of putting my money in a bank why don't i just put it in a in a can in my backyard Wh- why not so, the problem is that,
4: so let's say you even, even if you just kept your money in the bank, the biggest issue we have right now is that inflation is bubbling up, meaning the rate of price increases. So, um, that's partially associated with this strange pandemic economy that has just occurred. But it's also simply that prices were really low for a really long time. And now there's some pent up demand and people are buying stuff. So imagine this, you, you've got the money in your backyard and you say it's safe or just even consider that you've put it in this safe in your house. Except I say to you, except every single year you automatically are losing 3 4% every single year no matter what. And you say, how is that possible? And I say, because the price of everything is going up and you're not investing or keeping pace with that. And so as a result, just sitting in cash, whether it's cash earning 0% or cash in your backyard <laughs> or in your safe that cash actually is eroded every year just because prices are going up so don't do that paula no more no more burying your money in the back
1: she's got to invest we're gonna have to talk about investment strategies and we're gonna do that in a minute um henny youngman once said i have all the money i'll ever need if i die by four o'clock we'll explore other financial strategies when we come back (laughs) the cat of the week is annie from charlotte north carolina We're back with Jill Schlesinger. Paula, take it away.
0: You know, we were just talking about inflation, Jill. Um, Now, I'm probably older than you. Do you remember uh, whip inflation now buttons? I've always wondered what Gerald Ford thought that we as average citizens would, like, what what action was... I guess you could (laughs) walk into
1: a grocery store and say, hey, that butter cost three cents less last week. I'm only paying that.
4: So what this was supposed to do was to raise the specter that we as consumers could do something to curb inflation when in fact it really wasn't us to do anything about. We had to wait until we had a new... Um, Federal Reserve Chair in Paul Volcker who just basically raised interest rates really high and that kind of quelled inflation. But, um, you know, listen, those double-digit inflation days, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about inflation now. So what is inflation? Inflation is just like Prices are going up, right? And we don't want too little inflation or disinflation or deflation because that means you've got a very terrible, sluggish economy. No one's spending any money. No one's doing anything. So we want a little bit of price increases, and we want people to be making enough money, getting enough in their wages, their hourly earnings, to actually pay for those things. It kind of helps the economy chug along. The Federal Reserve, the government's central bank, right now uh, they have a target of... 2% inflation, meaning they want prices to rise, overall prices to rise by about 2% year over year, every single year. And um, so for a while, we were not even getting 2%. Before the pandemic, inflation was like 1.7%. And you know how you knew that pretty easily? You could see wages stuck. No wages. M- wages basically, middle class and lower wages, just standing still, nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, rich people, very nice with their wages, did very well. Um, yeah, so, they seem
0: to still be doing pretty good.
4: Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the old story that uh, my father used to say. You know, those, it's the golden rule. Those were the gold rule.
0: Yeah. Um, and, I was uh, so worried about the rich people. <laughs> I was so <laughs> and worried. They seem to be doing whoo, what a load off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Oh, my God. It I was touch and go for a, for a while there. A while. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh, my <laughs> heavens. So stressful. Um,
4: yeah, very stressful. I've, I've only seen my earnings go up by, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100%. And the middle class is stuck where they were 40 years ago. Um, yeah, so that's great. What, the inflation problem right now is weird, though it's totally odd because so so, you know Let's do. Let's go back to Econ 101. Who took Econ 101? Raise your hand. Okay, I know you did. My, uh, my hands like, are down. Both hands down. are down. Sit on your hands, Paula. Um, <laughs> Adam, did you take Econ 101?
1: Macroeconomics, absolutely.
3: Yes.
4: Yeah. So you know, there's kind of two sides to the equation. There's the supply, the amount of stuff that's on hand, and demand, how much we want. Right. Um, if you have a limited amount of supply and a lot of demand, what's going to happen is prices go up. So, what's the best example of that right now? Cars. Like, we are screwed in the car market. I just looked this up because I have a segment that's airing tomorrow morning. And, you know, the, the the amount of money that people are paying for cars is over the top. Why? Because the supplies, the stuff that goes into making cars is really in the wrong places. Like these big shipping containers are stuck in the wrong ports. We can't get the stuff here. We don't have enough components to make cars. Right now, the amount of inventory of cars for sale is like a third of what it was Two years ago, and everyone wants a car because no one wants to get on an airplane. That's why you so, always got to
1: get the lime green one these days.
4: That, if you're lucky, you're all lucky that's there. Get the lime green one. You might okay. get the burnt orange one. Uh huh. You want to know the prices? Wait a second. This blew my mind. I'm a numbers geek, but let's check this out. Used car prices reached a record high average of over twenty five thousand dollars this oh. summer. This is with an average of sixty eight thousand miles on a vehicle. You got to wow. pay twenty five grand for a car with sixty eight thousand dollars. It's up by more than twenty percent from a year ago. So those prices—that is bizarre. Like you cannot believe that prices for used cars are up by so much, and yet they are. And that's probably well, going to settle down. That okay, will settle a minute, down. Okay. Wait
0: a minute. Wait a minute. Do, yeah do, These used cars you're talking about, do they have beverage caddies? <laughs> <laughs> oh Every car has
1: a beverage caddy now.
0: I, you know what that's so important to me. Is that I, I have to have a place to put my uh, my soda, and I prefer it if the passenger has their own beverage mm. caddy because I'm not that good a host. I that's really don't like somebody else. Pretty yeah. standard
1: stuff now, Poundstone.
0: Not yeah. on the, not on the passenger side. No, they're Mm. only in that center console. I like the passenger to have their own beverage. Oh, so you don't want
1: two in the middle. You want one on on the side for the passenger.
0: Well, I need a place for my water and for my soda. And anybody I'm driving Mm. needs to have their own section over. So that could be a lot of what is pushing the used cars into more expensive Seems uh, that,
4: doubtful. That could, could yeah, be Yeah, I mean, it's not just – it might not be just those semiconductor chips that are missing. It could be the the plastic cup holders. Yeah, yeah right. the, be- the beverage caddies.
0: Um, like all you. right, Jill, I interrupted. I apologize. I just
4: – yeah. Uh, no, I get you. So inflation is like 21% for a car that's used is crazy. But I think there's other things that are starting to come down. And so I get a ton of questions about um, – housing, for example, like the price of houses, all the stuff that goes into building a house, it's up dramatically, almost 20% from a year ago, just the materials, okay? Wow. So, that's insane. So, this guy calls me up. I use like this, because they find out that I used to be a trader, and they say, what do you know about lumber futures? I said, well, you know, I judge it the way I judged many things that I traded, which is they had the best hours. I think it was 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That was the whole day for lumber futures. That's the only time you had to work. Um, <laughs> I said it's quite volatile. So lumber futures went from you know like three, four, five hundred dollars to. Wait, back up, back
0: up, back up. What's a
4: future? Um, So um, you can buy this thing called a board, right? A board of lumber, right? Mm -hmm, And that's mm -hmm. just, that's right there. But how do you, if you're a builder, you want to buy lumber, not just for today, but you want to buy it in the future as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was created, the whole commodities market that was created was a market so that you could lock in prices in the future. Uh, Airlines do this with jet fuel. And so it is you pay some amount of money extra just to have mm-hmm. the ability to lock in a price for a commodity in the future. Uh-huh. So so you could say, um, like one of my favorite exchanges, you could say coffee, sugar, cocoa. I am a big chocolate maker. I have to buy cocoa. And I want to make sure I can buy cocoa at the right price so I can make a profit. So I'm going to buy uh, co- cocoa in the future. I'm going to have the right to buy it in the future at a certain price. So it's really like a math Mathematical equation. It's actually um, a fascinating part of the trading world. So if you looked at um, the wholesale price of lumber, it, it peaked at uh, 15, over $1500 per thousand board feet. So f- just think $1500 okay is mm-hmm. what the price was in the like in May. So someone says to me I'm doing a home project remodeling project or maybe I should buy a future, contract now and that way what i can do is i'll have this before it goes to 2000 Mm -hmm. sounds like smart idea right maybe except the price collapsed over the last three and a half months and went down to like 400 so why during the pandemic people made decisions the best decisions they could make in the moment okay so just pretend go back in time just say it's march of 2020 we're so scared. We're totally Ugh. scared. We have mm-hmm. no idea what's going to happen. You're running a big ass sawmill, mm-hmm. and you say, "Well, you know what? That sucks. But like, I'm no. Who's going to want lumber? the The world's coming to an end. Who's going to build a house? Who's going to buy a house? How are we going to sell a house? Mm-hmm. Eh, I'm going to shut the the sawmill down. I'm going to lay everyone off, and um, we'll see where we go. And the price of lumber had actually plummeted. And then something weird happened, and the housing market started to take off because a lot of people who were living in cities said, "Get me the f out of the city." Mm-hmm. I was not one of them, um, and get let me buy a house, build a house, find a house, do a home improvement, build an office so I can work from home. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the demand for lumber went sky high. And guess what? Those mills, they take a long time to crank up. It's not like you flip a switch, like I'm ready. I'm guts go like power up. Let's go. It mm-hmm. took a long time to catch up. So all that lumber demand, right back to our supply and demand lesson, all that demand is going crazy, pushes the price up. There's no supply. Then all of a sudden the lumber mills, the sawmills, they come online, the supply starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, when there's enough supply, which actually is able to meet demand, then prices start to drop. And it happened pretty dramatically. So if you're thinking that you can kind of outrun or get ahead of inflation, it's it's kind of hard to time it. It's hard to time Mm -hmm. markets like that. So If you have to buy an appliance, I would do that right now. Though there's like you can't get an appliance. Are you into appliances or not?
0: Well, you know we used to uh, tape at a studio that was right beside. um, Do you know that Roger Federer uh, owns uh, an appliance store in (laughs) the valley? He doesn't.
1: He
0: does. (laughs) It's um, Federer's Appliances, and they're you know they're slightly damaged.
1: It was Um, it was Federers, not Federer. We've been Federers a lot. He
0: used to um, practice, uh, I guess, there in his store, uh, just hitting the tennis ball, and it would bang into stuff. And so a lot of the things you would buy there would have little dents in them. Um, No, am I into uh, appliances? No, I don't think I am. Should Uh, I be buying appliances now? I have a refrigerator. Their Appliances are in very short
4: supply right now. So if you must have the fanciest best finish, most popular finish, you're going to pay up for that. And so if you are doing a big home improvement project in the next, say, six to nine months, you should order your appliance right now because it is going to take a long time to get that appliance. Huh. Oh,
1: wow. That's good advice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Look at hey, that, thanks. Paula.
0: Well, my toaster oven is always on the verge of, like, it. the timer doesn't work. But I just live with it. So uh, I can't I can't see investing in a whole new toaster oven. Plus, it's so fucking hot here right now. I can just (laughs) leave the bread outside. It'll toast. All right. I have one more question for you. Um, Should Congress be allowed to trade stocks
4: while they're serving? Absolutely not. That's such an easy one. Thank you for saying that. It used to be like the bugaboo. I would talk about this constantly and, and nobody cared. Um, I think it is obscene that we allow that. And by the way, you know, every big investment bank has massive policies that protect against trading on insider information. By the way, the public, just you and me, we would get hammered if we had information that is not – publicly distributed Mm -hmm. and we traded on that material non-public information, we would get hammered. It's called inside trading. So let me give you an example. Let's just say that um, Bonnie is sitting next to me at the salon Mm -hmm. and she's talking to Adam, her hairdresser. Okay. So I'm just sitting there listening. I'm just mm-hmm, minding my own business. And Bonnie's saying like, oh, my God, at work, I'm working on such a crazy deal. God, it's insane. And he says, well, Tom, what is, it, what is it going on? And she says, well, you know, work, I work at Whole Foods. I'm a big, big macher at uh, Whole Foods. And uh, all these questions are coming out. Like, I don't know. It sounds like maybe Amazon could be interested in buying us. I know that sounds crazy. But anyway, that's, that could happen. And that's the kind of
1: prying that I do when I'm dressing Bonnie's hair. (laughs) Exactly.
4: (laughs) Do tell. And so I hear this, and I turn around, and I just maybe click a few things on my phone and look up, oh, look at that, Whole Foods. It looks pretty cheap right now. Maybe I'll buy, um, let me buy a 1,000 shares of Whole Foods. Just click it right through. Now, uh, next day, two days, three days later, amazingly... It's announced Amazon buys Whole Foods. What happens in that moment is the SEC, which oversees all the trading, right, goes and says, who started buying Whole Foods and never had a position in Whole Foods to begin with? How did that person, and they literally will do this. They do a rundown of all the trading in like the days prior. It's like contact tracing for the virus. Exactly. We should have gotten the SEC on it. Honestly. Um, And they can go through and they can come back and find you. And you can be, so it's not even that Bonnie did something that was so horrible, right? So like, she's not even saying, I have a tip for you. I'm not, she's not saying, Adam, you know what you should do, you should do this. But I, overhearing that, and I trade on that. That's actually a problem for me, and I could be contacted by the SEC, and they could haul my ass, and they could say what happened. And I would say, well, it wasn't my fault. She did. I just heard overheard something, and I didn't know it was not material. Then why'd you make the trade? Wow! wow. So you got to be careful with that stuff. I used to always laugh when people would say to me, like, um, "Oh, they, you know, so and so told me this." I said, "So and so should not be telling you this." And that, by the way, is ma- not that is material, non-public information. So, Paula, to your question, just think about what lawmakers know about companies. Just think about what lawmakers know about industries and sectors. Um, They know rules that are coming down. They know about tax law. It, It is unbelievable to me that we do not force anyone who is serving in the United States Congress to have a blind trust. You know that if you work for a Wall Street firm, you can't trade yourself. You have to have someone else manage your money or you have to invest in index funds. You cannot trade yourself. Every single account is surveilled. And so we do that for people who work in banks, from secretaries to the C-suite. And we can't do that with Congress? It's nuts. Oh,
1: that yeah, is nuts. It is nuts. It is nuts. Wow. Well, um, Jill, that was excellent. And we're now going to run all of this information, and you gave a lot of it to us. And we're going to run it through something we call the old Pounce Donator. Paula?
0: House band Jay Clannon on the Flugelhorn, thank you for coming to the bandstand with your Flugelhorn magic. If you could give me a little bit of background music here, I'll tell you what the old Pounce Donator spit out. Jill Schlesinger, thank you for sharing your vault full of financial knowledge with us. There's so much I don't know on this topic, but you certainly filled in some of the gaps. I know what futures are now. I just thought it was a stretch of time ahead of us that's frighteningly uncertain with an S on the end. But no! Who will buy my lumber futures at a price? Agreed upon today Who will buy my lumber futures Once you lock it in you must pay It might be next year or the other You'll add a room to your house for your mother This way you'll have the wood To guarantee your good Cause lumber futures you did
1: She's the Emmy-winning and Gracie Award-winning business analyst for CBS News. Thank you so much. It's Jill Schlesinger, everybody. Thanks, Jill. That was great. Oh, gosh, Jill,
0: this was fantastic. Thank you so
4: much. Thank you guys for having me. It was just a blast. I really, I loved it. And uh, anytime you have any, listen, if there's an emergency news, breaking news story and you need me to pop on, just let me know. Oh, that would be great.
1: Absolutely, we'd love to have you back. The next, Fantastic. and there's probably a meltdown coming, right?
4: Oh, sure. I mean, the, the, we haven't even touched on crypto, and that's just the most fun. It's one of the most oh, yeah. delicious stories out there.
0: Let's make, a, let's let's do a, another episode where we talk about that, and also, I hope you don't mind reading Eat, Pray, Love, so you can join us on our book club as well. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> a stupid book club. We did, we did no Moby offense. Dick first, and now we're doing Eat, Pray, Love. So you can see where we're going with this. Oh, All
4: right. I love this.
1: Coming up, ain't no party like an info party, because an info party provides you with valuable information. Okay, you can't dance to it, but our potluck info party is coming up next. It's a potluck info
2: party!
0: Not now, Bonnie. <laughs> 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 the, the guest is still here.
1: Fun fact! Baseball umpires are required to wear black underwear in case they split their pants. No, it's true. This rule has been in effect ever since the 1978 incident involving Joey Nature Boy Palumbo. Thank you, Jay Clannett, on that flugelhorn. Wow, you're Mangione-esque, is what I say. Hey, Paula. Adam. Adam, answer the phone. Wait, what? No, I was... was, was, Answer uh, the phone. I was trying to get your attention for the potluck info thing that we're going to do.
0: Adam, Adam, the phone's ringing.
1: All right, all right, all right. Hello? Uh,
0: Hey, man, it's me, Mike Boom, boom, burfe
1: Oh, hi, Mike. We haven't heard from you in a while.
0: Yeah, man, I've been so busy with this influencer thing, you know, so many people want to know how to be like me, and it's it's not as easy as it seems. Like, like people see my TikTok videos, you know, and they say, hey man, that dude looks so cool. Like, fuck, where'd he get that throw pillow? He is the coolest. If I had that throw pillow, I'd be cool. That's like the basics of this industry, you know. But you got to be careful though, because I told my address on an early influencer video, you know, uh, before I really knew, and and some guys broke in and just fucking stole my throat pillows, and my television. Re- really, they 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 they
1: stripped the whole place clean. <laughs> Mike, you you told your address, Mike. You got to be careful, man. You can't give out that kind of information.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh listen, we we're, we're going to have to watch the game on your TV from now on.
1: We we don't watch the game, Mike. In point of fact.
0: Right. Right, but if we if we did, uh you know, I'm just saying. Okay. Uh we'd have to watch on your TV. Hey look man, I got to go. I I got to make a video. Uh love you man. See you on the cusp. On the cu-
1: Bye Mike. Wow. Well, you know, the, that influencer thing might be really really working for Mike.
0: I, it sounds like he's just you know loving it. Well, uh, he
1: influenced somebody to break into his house. You know that's that's something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know when you when people want to be just like you, what better way than just taking your shit? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh well. Um. So anyway, Paula, uh, Mike aside, we've got something pretty exciting here. It's time. What's that? Are you ready? For, are you ready for this? I'm ready. It's time for our potluck info party.
2: It's a potluck info, Bonnie. It's a potluck info, Body,
0: Bonnie! body, Bonnie! Bonnie. Bonnie. <laughs> Apparently, wow. in, bon- in Bonnie's Glee Club, uh, the instructor never even mentioned, like, modulation.
1: No. No, that that started at a furious roar and stayed there. There was There was no dynamics involved. Um, but boy, that is yeah. that is wow! That was the punk cover of Potluck Info Party.
2: Yeah, I was playing no. my imaginary guitar. I was moving no. all over the stage, man. I was into it. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: So sorry, right, so. so sorry that I didn't see that. Potluck Info Party is a,
1: it's a it's a very uh, simple idea with a very simple theme song, and that is that we um, each of us bring to the table a piece of information that is interesting. Um, So let's start with Paula Poundstone Because she is this um, podcast namesake Paula, what have you brought to Bonnie, are you panting?
2: Well, (laughs) that might have put me A little out of breath
1: Because you're you're, you're Mouth breathing directly into the microphone
2: (laughs) Okay
0: Sorry
1: I'm trying to introduce Potluck Info Party and Darth Vader Is on the other end of the mic Yeah, dude all
0: right. All right, here's here's my here's my info that, that I've brought in my Tupperware.
1: Lay it on me, sister. Uh,
0: by five hundred BC, Athens and Sparta were the most important city-states in ancient Greece. Um, city-states each had their own government and laws. In Athens, all men who were not slaves could speak at the assembly, given their opinions on politics. Each speaker was timed. This is the part that I find interesting. Each speaker was timed with a water clock. I, I read this, by the way, in 1,000 Questions and Answers, an essential reference for curious minds. Um, and yet I was still curious. There was no word, however, on if they were allowed to spout lies. Oh. During their political speeches. Or if they called other people uh, demonic. I don't know. I don't know if they did that.
1: We have no way of knowing that.
0: I mean, if they had their own, you know, what's her name? Stefanik kind of thing or uh, Marjorie Taylor Green, I think I guess they just had the water timer and they just everybody could talk. But only only until <laughs> they were sprayed with water.
1: <laughs> I guess that's how it goes. Um, yeah. I've got one that can pique your curiosity. You, you ready for this, Paula? Yes. Breaking science news. I love doing the breaking science news. And new research um uh that just out indicates that, that, that there might be a new way to think about and to treat OCD. And you know, we talked about OCD on a recent show, obsessive compulsive disorder. And yeah. it turns out that people with OCD, like when they want to compulsively wash their hands, it mm-hmm. might be because they have a different sense of self, an expanded sense of self. And do you know how we figured that out? This is this is the really fun part. Um no by something called uh, the rubber hand illusion. <laughs> now, imagine if you will, some experimenter tells you to put your hand under a desk and they put on top of the desk a rubber hand, right? And then mm-hmm. they tickle that rubber hand with a feather while under the desk, somebody is tickling your real hand with that feather. Well, it turns mm-hmm. out if, that gets, if you do that stuff at the same time, your brain gets fooled into thinking that the rubber hand on the table is your hand. And really yes and the way that they determine that 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 you think it's your hand is Mm -hmm. because um, they'll do something to contaminate the rubber hand and your hand will feel the revulsion the disgust will register in your brain so they like they literally like drop fake dog poo on the rubber hand and your whole body goes like ah and you really feel it on your hand and that's what happens
0: wow Yes. I still and, I don't see what, what the first thing you said before you explained with the rubber well, hand.
1: Well, I'm going to get to that. It turns out that people with OCD, they fall for the rubber hand illusion a lot more easily than people without OCD. Like, I don't have OCD. If, if my hand under your table was being stroked with the feather not at the same time as the feather on the table, it mm-hmm. wouldn't work. I, the rubber hand illusion just doesn't happen for me. But for OCD people they perceive the, the rubber hand as their own hand much more easily.
0: But I don't understand why that would make one need to wash their hands repeatedly. I don't understand why that would manifest itself in OCD behaviors.
1: Huh. I don't know. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think what's being said here is is that they're more likely to feel like they have been contaminated by the world and thus need to wash.
0: I, you know... I think what it does for me, and I and I do have OCD, but I do not have the uh, hand-washing, Jones. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe um, because there have been times in my life where I've had more symptoms than other times. So there might be a future time where I would have the hand-washing uh, uh, symptom. And now um, I've been cautioned uh, that... Um, well, actually, my hands are rubber, and uh, oh. so it's <laughs> wow. it's really just it's really just a cautionary tale.
1: Well, that yeah, uh, that, it's that, a that,
0: fascinating that. study. I have I see no relationship between the study and OCD. It sounds like if they were trying to figure out you know why uh, dogs turn around three times before they lie down, um, and so they went out to the four o five and counted how many cars were there.
1: Oh yeah, that wouldn't really work,
0: right? There seems to be no relationship between these two concepts. Did you well, read well, the book? I, I mean, I, because I'm wondering I, 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 if I, I, some of the pages got stuck together. No, no, no,
1: it's a much it's a much longer article. I mean, I could go on. It turns out that people with the hand washing compulsion, they don't mm-hmm. have to even be fooled into thinking it's their hand always to feel like their hands are dirty and need to be washed. They could just watch a video of somebody getting their hands dirty, and they will compulsively need to go wash instantly. Uh, they well, relate who to the so fuck much. M- watches
0: a video. What video is that? The dirty uh. hands video.
1: <laughs> that, that I can't tell you.
0: <laughs> a, you fi- uh, you a, finally
1: exhausted a, my knowledge.
0: There's a production company that's just preying on OCD sufferers. They make videos of of people getting their hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's some, I think that there is some work to be done. Did the article say that the study is finished?
1: No, 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 no. The, the article said that, hey, here's an interesting thing. OCD people are more likely to to think of um, other people's hands as their own. Uh, and that might tell us a little bit about why they, they have these compulsions.
0: Think of other people's hands as their own. Yes. Uh-huh. So if I'm doing a show somewhere and Uh I look out in the audience and people are clapping, right? And I look and I see one person not clapping. Maybe that person has OCD and they thought that the person's hands beside them were theirs. Oh, And so they were like, I was clapping. No, you weren't clapping. I was. Had they completed writing the article? That's the other question I (laughs) had.
1: They have completed writing the article. Um...
0: Because there there is no relationship between these two pieces of information. Okay, so listeners, here's what you take away from this: Um, uh, if you see a rubber hand on top of your desk, it's not yours. (laughs)
1: you see if they have ocd they're not going to listen to you their brain won't listen to you okay let's um let's move on but anybody who's interested it was it's in a uh the september issue of scientific american let's move on down to tony anita hall over there in sherman oaks california or no 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 you're in philadelphia right now right tony
3: i'm in philadelphia the city of brotherly love oh boy
1: so i brought a
3: fact related to philadelphia since i'm here all right.
1: Um, Let's hear it.
3: There's no evidence that Philadelphia resident Betsy Ross stitched the first American flag. The story was made up in 1870, some hundred years after the fact. But you can still visit her home here in Philadelphia if you want. But she did not sew the first American flag. She did sew flags.
0: And the and the story was, the story was made up a hundred years later. Yep, by her
3: her grandson apparently.
0: Um, That kid, her grandson, was known in school as Pants on Fire Ross. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a weird fucking story is that to make up?
1: What's weird is if it wasn't Betsy Ross, how come nobody else ever tried to take credit for it? I mean, that's kind of a big thing, you know. You're 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 in you're in the United States of America. It's like 1820. You're wondering like, where does that flag come from? You would think somebody would claim credit for it. Yeah,
0: no, but her kid was out on the yard, and kids were being mean to him. Cut it out! Cut it out! My grandma Betsy sewed the flag. That's how the story began.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Tony, that is very interesting uh, information there. So, Betsy Ross, a fraud.
0: Fraud.
3: Liar fraud.
1: Wow.
0: Wow.
3: You know. Traitor.
0: In my um, typing class in high school, there was a couple of girls that used to, uh, they were a little abusive of me. And uh, I was a little scared of them. And they, they would do stuff like drop their paper on the floor and then tell me to pick it up. And I would do it that's because it never occurred to me to say, "Fuck you, My grandmother showed the American flag. It just never occurred to me. <laughs> um, but that's a good that's a good way of protecting yourself uh, in a school environment.
1: I have to say I'm kind of on those those girls' sides though. I mean, if somebody needed to pick something up off a floor, I would definitely choose the girl with the rubber hand. <laughs>
0: you get getting my rubber hand all dirty.
1: Yeah, but it's so washable. It's so easy to wash. Yeah. Um,
0: now I'm going to have to wash every mannequin at Macy's. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of this information doesn't seem all that right.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of that, let's go over to the Simi Valley where we're going to get some information from our resident um, songwriter, Bonnie Burns. Bonnie, what you got?
2: Well, I've been very interested in um, the settlers that, went across the prairies uh, in the wagon trains. Uh, those were called schooners, by the way. And you know how you see a lot of times the pictures uh, of horses pulling those? Mm-hmm. They. It, it was almost always like mules or oxen because those covered wagons weighed like 2,000 pounds.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of horses pulling them. Yeah. Pictures I've seen has been... always oxen absolutely
1: always oxen
0: well yeah i watch wagon train
2: almost every night because i used to watch it with my dad and it brings back all these familiar memories
0: and those are always (laughs) horses
2: pulling (laughs) those Uh,
0: so so you are expressing now some surprise that wagon train was not historically accurate yeah well one thing on wagon train
2: they have the big water barrels uh tied to the side of the schooner. Mm-hmm. And okay. when I was, you know, looking up the history, like researching for what I might bring tonight, that turns out to mm-hmm. be accurate.
0: Oh, that was accurate.
2: Yeah. Okay. Those settlers that went across the country, it took about six months and they crossed 2,176 miles. That was about the average of what they crossed, wow. which I think is oh pretty amazing. And they, that is they, amazing. That is amazing. And they crossed about 15 to 20 miles a day. And they walked about 11 of those miles. And the reason was because the wagons were so uncomfortable, really bumpy. A lot of the territory they covered weren't even like trails. They were just you know, land that had a lot of ruts in it. And so the people that walked often walked like away from the wagons because they were trying to avoid the dust from other wagons and the dust that got kicked up from the animals. And um, uh, let's see, what else do I have about that? <laughs> I guess that's about it. Huh it's a potluck info party Party. thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a potluck all right uh boy there's some fascinating information that we've brought to our listeners
1: yeah we really have brought it tonight but let's bring a little bit more paula poundstone what's going on in the poundstone product empire
0: Adam, due to the popularity of the products and services of Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, we can hardly keep up with the orders. I own part of shit. Listeners can order copies of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, which Kirkus Reviews called A Pure romp a deeply revealing memoir in which the pathos doesn't kill the humor, delivers more than it promises. Listeners can order it at my website at the store at paulapoundstone.com. You can also order my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back, which comes in baseball and standard styles at the store at paulapoundstone.com. Plus... You can also get tickets on the tour page at paulapoundstone.com to join me for a night of laughter in Chicago on Saturday, October 2nd at the Athenaeum Theater, in New York City on Thursday, October 7th at Town Hall. Whose hall? Town Hall. (laughs) And in Northampton, Massachusetts, the Smat Pat, on Saturday, October 9th at Mass Center for the Fine Arts. There's so much more to tell you, but Heidi...
1: All right, and I just want to let everybody know that um, the day is closely approaching when we will be releasing... Confessions of a Puppet Master, the new book by Charles Band with Adam Felbert. That's me. It's a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking, and it is entertaining top to bottom. Go to Amazon and buy it right now. You can pre-order it. Also, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. And while you're there subscribing, if you're at Apple Podcasts, think about leaving us a review. That'd be awesome. If there's a subject or topic you want to know about, tell us. We're at NobodyListens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com and that is is our show Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly Adam the Felber special thanks to our guest Jill Schlesinger yeah Jill Yay! Yeah, and a big thanks to Jay Clannan on that flugel horn Yay. our show is produced yeah. by Paula Poundstone Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lizepnik and Tony Star Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe a premier internationally used transcription service use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service that's our show for tonight won't somebody please listen to me? Nice show, Rubber Hand.
0: That's not my hand.
1: You know, I it was one of my favorite tunes from the seventies. Get down, prepare yourself for the Rubber Hand Man.
0: Rubber Hand, Rubber Hand Man. You know what? You'll have to excuse me a minute. I have to go wash my hands.
1: No, you don't, Paula. That's not a thing.
0: No, I do. I have to wash my hands.
1: They're perfectly clean.
0: There's a little bit up up top on my rubber cuticles. Um, There's a little bit of schmutz. I want to
1: try an experiment. Paula, I'm touching a dirty camera.
3: America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose.